Welcome back to the Health Call Radio Hour. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just drop us a line on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. That's healthcall.live. Or message us on the Health Call Facebook page. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Alzheimer's and dementia are not a normal part of aging. I know it seems that way sometimes because so many of us know someone going through this painful process. So what are the things you can do to reduce your risk of Alzheimer's and dementia? Well, that is the theme of a group called Us Against Alzheimer's, and the reason they put together an online series of webinars called the Brain Health Academy. The idea is to teach healthcare professionals how the rest of us can reduce our risk. But these sessions are free for all of us as well. Let's learn more talking to Kelly O'Brien, the VP of Prevention for Us Against Alzheimer's, and find out exactly what we're going to learn, how to get involved, and why she thinks it's the best use of your time. What we know about Alzheimer's and dementia, there's actually, um, despite, you know, a lag in um, scientific developments around treatment, there is a lot of evidence around what we can do to modify our risks. And there are a number of modifiable risk factors for dementia. There are obviously some uh, unmodifiable risk factors for dementia. So genetics is one unmodifiable risk factor. You can't change that. Age is a risk factor for sure. But they are risk factors. They're not determining factors. So there are things that um, have play a role in whether or not someone might develop, but necessarily don't. It's not A doesn't always equal B. Mm-hmm. So in Got the it. list of preventable things um, that we can do, modifiable risk factors that we can address include things like hypertension obesity, uh, depression, um, poor nutrition, uh, poor sleep, um, d- uh, diabetes. The list goes on. There are 12 to 13 risk factors that we think on a population basis could reduce the prevalence of dementia by up to 40%. 40%? I'm going to yes, cut millions my and chances. Millions of people. That's right. Yeah. That is. You know, and this is so important because I'm not sure that I mean we talk about it a lot and we certainly focused on it on this program. But I'm not sure that uh, John Q. Public really understands how big this challenge is. There is a tidal wave of expensive care of, you know, just so many sad years coming at us, aren't there? Yeah, actually, you know, the population as a a whole is aging. And so we do expect the numbers to explode. Um, This has an exponential impact on families. Anybody who's going through this knows that it is a family um, challenge. It's not just the person who is dealing with the disease, um, but the caregivers and and people around that person. It is a financial challenge because of the cost of care. Often caregivers have to, I was a caregiver. I had to quit my job to take care of my dad. That has an economic impact on my family, but also on the economy and on employers. Um, so it really is a challenge that is in desperate need of uh, addressing at the moment, and I would say the next pandemic. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it. So these sessions are going to be, as I said, an hour long. Who's leading them? What are we going to learn? How's it going to work? Kind of walk me through all of that if I'm thinking about participating. Yeah, that's the really exciting thing about these courses. So um, this last year we did six courses. Um, on, in each course, focus on one risk factor and the relationship that it has to dementia. So, for example, last year we did hypertension and dementia and um, nutrition and dementia. This year we're focusing on six other risk factors, so obesity and dementia, 
focus on diabetes and dementia, um, uh, tobacco use or smoking and dementia, uh, depression and dementia, alcohol use and dementia. So um, each course focuses on one risk factor and it is taught by one of the world's experts in those issues. So this is these are people that are either scientific researchers or clinicians or both, many of them. And they know more about the topic. For example, Franklin, one of our courses is on um, hearing loss and dementia. And Franklin, Dr. Franklin from Johns Hopkins University is going to teach that course. He He's the preeminent scientist in the world on this topic. And so it's an opportunity for clinicians and lay people, families, to learn from just really the best, absolute best. You know, that's really interesting. I just saw a study the other day about hearing loss and its contrib contribution to dementia. So the thinking is that as you begin to lose your ability to think and, and put together thoughts, uh, the stress and strain of not being able to process language and stay in touch with what's around you causes you to isolate and withdraw. And that what brain power you have still goes into trying to figure out all of those incoming cues and it can't really get in the way of processing thought. It seems odd that something as simple as wearing hearing aids, which are more ex less expensive today, you can buy them over the counter these days, and it seems that odd that just hearing aids can make that big of a difference, but that's really interesting research. It is, and it's um, there's actually a very big, um, very big study coming out this year talking about the absolute latest in science. I don't know what it's going to say. I have some hunches, um, but it is. You you it could probably teach our course, uh, Lee. I think you're you're right. That is one of the the one of the thinking one of the thinking about why this might be such an issue. Um, it does um, tend to isolate people. Hearing is still a policy challenge, though. I, I mean, it's more inexpensive, but it's still difficult. It's still very expensive, honestly, for a lot of families, um, and it's still um, not covered very well by Medi Medicare audiology services. Um, and there's still a lot of stigma around hearing loss. So it is a challenge, but it is really important for people to know that it is a risk factor for dementia. And by the way, hearing loss globally is the number one risk factor for dementia. So in the U.S., oh. obesity actually tops that list. Yeah. But globally, hearing losses. So it's, a, it's really, really important that if you're having hearing challenges, that you get them addressed. Um, it has broader implications than just the inconvenience of not being able to hear. I had no idea that globally that was the number one risk. That's that's news to me. Uh, obesity and the connection to uh, Alzheimer's is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I know that ties in because of the uh, type 2 diabetes and the, and the glucose intolerances that come along when yeah. you tend to be overweight. Um, who is that expert and uh, what are we going to learn there? Do you have an idea? Um, actually, the expert for obesity is um, from the uh, Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and her name is Nina Crowley. Um, she's with the Medical University of South Carolina, um, and she'll be talking about um, things that people can do to address obesity, the latest science and interventions. We're trying to focus these courses We'll cover each course. We'll cover a little bit about what we know is true and what we don't know yet, and then what clinicians can talk to patients about how to have that conversation in a culturally competent and sensitive way. Um, the latest interventions and, and why it's so important. So, um, obesity is important probably for the same reason that some of these others uh, other issues like diabetes and hypertension and and nutrition are important because there seems to be a connection between inflammation. Um, 
and the brain, right? And these cardiovascular issues, um, mm -hmm. metabolic issues are all interrelated. And, you know, you often find people that have one chronic condition have two or three or four. Mm -hmm. um, and that I don't think is an accident. So um, it's it's not, the, the line is not a crystal clear from A to B, but they are related in some ways. And scientists are exploring um, opportunities to intervene so that it can um, mitigate dementia. So you've got the idea now, right? The Brain Health Academy, a series of monthly webinars for everyone. Go to usagainstalzheimers.org and you can get all the details to sign up and attend. You're gonna be asked for your name and your email, but that's all it takes. The first session, May 17th, and as you heard, it will focus on the connection between obesity and Alzheimer's and how you can minimize that risk. So does it strike you as odd there's a need to teach health professionals about the link between Alzheimer's, dementia, and lifestyle? I mean, you'd think health professionals would be on top of this, right? Well, stay with us to hear Kelly explain why there's a gap preventing information that could change our family from reaching us. And also we'll look at what new drugs are out there for Alzheimer's treatments, why some people say they're expensive disappointments, and I'll tell you about a free guide that can lead you to help in your family's struggle caring for an Alzheimer's patient. So lots of good reasons to stay tuned to the Health Call Radio Hour. This is the Health Call Radio Hour, where treatments are always free, the stethoscope is never cold, and you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Welcome back. Your amazing brain may be under attack right now, and you don't know it. There are many theories about what causes Alzheimer's disease, but no one really knows for sure. The leading one is that there's an accumulation of proteins forming in the brain, and to put it simply, they gum up the works. A series of new bioengineered drugs, monoclonal antibodies, are designed to dissolve these proteins. They're claimed a slow progression of the disease, and some have shown modest success. But they're wildly expensive, and experts are worried they'll bankrupt Medicare. Sure wish the news was better, but right now, prevention is the best medicine we have against Alzheimer's. And that is why the Brain Health Academy starts this month. It's a series of webinars that are free for you to attend, but really they're designed for health professionals. For example, these sessions will emphasize that doctors, nurses, and all healthcare workers need to talk with patients about prevention. But Kelly O'Brien of Us Against Alzheimer's says it is very important this message reach people of color. It is much higher in black and brown people. It's also, by the way, much higher in women. Uh, Two-thirds of people yeah. with Alzheimer's are women. In terms of why, um, it's still, jury's still a little bit out. It could be related to the fact that these risk factors that we're talking about are obviously more prevalent in some of these communities as well. Um, and these things are not related um, it's not a genetic issue, right? But 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 I think researchers are really looking at these what they call social determinants of care, like the conditions in which we live and work and play, right? So the places that we live have a lot to do with our lifestyle and the way that and what we're exposed to, right? And so it's it's a really complicated answer. One of the things I want to make sure that um, we don't walk away with in this conversation is that if anybody's not doing these things and they get dementia, it's somehow their fault. Like, I think these are all very difficult, complicated things. We all have to do the best that we can to mitigate our mm -hmm. risk, just like putting a seatbelt on when you get in your car. 
But sometimes you still get in an accident and you get hurt, right? So it's not your fault. It's just a way to think about how you might reduce your risk. And these are things that we can take action on, that we can ourselves do. So is it too late if I'm 50, 55, 65? Is it too late to start these lifestyle modifiers? Never too early and never too late. I mean, it helps. These are lifestyle, life course things. So really, it starts at birth, right? Education, for example, is a um, really related. The level of education that you get is really important. Um, and keep learning, right? Um, important. But it is never too late, um, especially with things related to obesity and smoking and some of these other um, issues that tend to creep up on us in midlife into um into older uh, years, um, it's really important to address them, uh, and it does it does matter. And and, it, and honestly, it makes your life better anyway, right? Like we want to all live. We don't want to just live to be ninety five or a hundred and not enjoy our life. And so, the extent to which we can take care of ourselves along the way, we're going to have a higher quality of living. Man, it's all about that quality of life. You know, you, uh, I'm all about having a good health span. There, there's yes, yes. A good lifespan isn't that valuable if you don't have a good health span. So that's 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 important. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you on that. So it's interesting that that you're targeting these sessions. To, I mean, they're open to everybody, but you said you're targeting for healthcare professionals. Don't they have enough training about this? <laughs> what what's going on here? Interestingly, no. So this is part of the reason that we decided to do this. So Us Against Alzheimer's is a national nonprofit organization that's focused on ending Alzheimer's. And we focus on treat on prevention, which is the work that we're talking about here. We focus on early detection and we focus on uh, access to treatment. So a lot of things. But one of the things that we uh, recognized in our work with healthcare providers and with health systems we did surveys. We, lo we looked at other researchers' surveys. AARP has done multiple surveys is that clinicians actually, they may know about diabetes, for example, but they don't know about the relationship of diabetes to dementia. And the connection of these things to dementia later in life is really important for people to understand because for one thing, it often will encourage them to change their own habits or to address this other issue that they may have been not addressing because there's another reason to do it. It affects your brain health. But for the other reason, it helps with early detection. The more we have these conversations and normalize this conversation in the clinician's office, the more that people are looking at your health history and saying, oh, you're doing really great with your, you know, your, your weight looks good, your, you know, your nutrition looks good, let's, let's get on this diabetes, you know, like, because it is important to your brain health, the, the more those conversations connect to brain health, the more people are aware that their brain is something that they need to also take care of, the more likely they are to actually um, have cognitive assessments, to be thinking about the implications of their brain health along the way and detecting any issues early. Yeah, that is important. Uh, give me just what you know. And I know you're not a scientist. I know you're not a researcher. <laughs> but but give me what you know about the latest treatments. Are we seeing uh, much that's, that's proving effective? I mean, the new medications that have just been approved, uh, from a couple of the big manufacturers. What are you hearing from the field on this? I think it's a super exciting time, to be honest. Um, I think there is a lot of scientific development. Um, often one uh, treatment will beget another, right? And so we want to keep the trains rolling. Um, we're very excited about the progress that has been made in the recent treatments and, and think that that is only going to increase. Um, it's It's not you know, it's there's much work to be done. We're still learning. Um, but I do think that it's very, very encouraging. Um, so, you know, exciting time um, for, for Alzheimer's. I think there is a lot of hope. There's things we can do now. 
Um, and there's things, you know, coming down the pike. So I'm going to take you back to your father's experience with Alzheimer's. And recall for me a couple of the big takeaway lessons for you in that experience. Uh, well, I think um, the big lesson for me was um, that this is a family issue, but that, that um, you know, that it is something that um, the system currently is not prepared to deal with in any way, shape or form. The healthcare system is not ready. The financial system is not ready. Like often employers don't have for example, enough benefits for caregivers that we think often of childcare, but we're not thinking enough about caregivers who are older. And, and so I think my number one takeaway was, wow, we are so unprepared, not only our own family, my own family, but just the system was unprepared to support, to support that. And so I think that's part of what drives my work at Uskins Alzheimer's. I think that there's just a lot we have to do to be better prepared. There's things we can do within our own control and our own families to be thinking about that. But I also think um, there's a lot of advocacy work to be done to ensure that our Medicare system, our retirement system, our caregiving systems are improved so that we can um, better serve people who uh, are dealing with chronic conditions, dementia included. So what resources do you have or are you aware of uh, for families who are looking for some guidance on when do we think about uh, memory care centers and how do I pick a memory care center and who should be guiding me in nutrition and all those other things? Yeah, well, a couple of things. I mean, one is I, I would commend everybody to a tool that Us Against Alzheimer's developed called My Brain Guide. Um, it's mybrainguide.org. It's free. It actually provides a way for you to um, – it provides information that's customized to your particular situation, so it's not going to throw a whole bunch of resources. It asks you questions. You can take a brief – if you're a caregiver, you can take a brief um, uh, – I don't want to call it a quiz, but a brief questionnaire mm -hmm. to get some information. If you're um, someone who's concerned about their brain health, you get a, you do a different one. And it directs you to resources and, and, and information based on sort of where that comes out. So if you're somebody who's, for example, worried about their brain health but doesn't experience any symptoms, it will direct you to information about these risk factors, right, and how to address them in fact sheets on each of these resources. So I actually think, you know, it's a great resource for a family or a person who's thinking about, okay, what do I, what do I need to be prepared? for it will also direct you to lo local resources in your community it's mybrainguide.org so once again the brain health academy kicks off may 17th it's free you can register at usagainstalzheimers.org well that's it for this week i invite you to stay in touch you can visit our health call website healthcall.live drop your email and every friday i'll send you a brief preview of what's coming up on the broadcast right here on a station that cares enough about you that they've joined the Health Call Radio Network. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Health Call Radio Hour. The discussion of conditions and treatments on this program is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a healthcare professional who knows you and your health needs. Find the podcast of today's episode wherever you get your podcasts or watch extended video versions of today's interviews on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. While you're there, drop us a line to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us each week on this station for another edition of the Health Call Radio Hour.
podcast by Federated Media.